In today's fast-paced world, your business deserves banking solutions that are as dynamic and cost-effective as you are. Solutions like free business checking from LGE Community Credit Union, free online and mobile banking, no minimum balance required, plus no maintenance fees and dividends on your balance. At LGE, we're a smarter way to bank. See what's possible for your business at lgeccu.org. No monthly maintenance fees. Other service fees such as NSF, overdraft, wire, and stop payment fees still apply. Not all businesses will qualify. Membership eligibility and base savings account that keeps a $5 minimum balance required. All year long. Now more college football talk with the king of college football. It's the Chuck Oliver Show on Southern Sports Today. All week, all year. All college football, Chuck Oliver Show. Nine states and 60 sticks. Appreciate the blessing, folks. So wonderful. So Jeff Levy has his first recruiting class and not a whole lot. It was like most programs, not a whole lot of action yesterday. Got a couple of, um, of signees um, and included an addition of a wide receiver. So uh, for whatever this class winds up being high school wise, it's really going to be a portal thing. Um, you can look around all kinds of guys used to be, you know, gosh, he only lasted three years or one season, <laughs> one season. And then we needed to move on to our actual coach and Jeff Levy back in uh, the state of Mississippi this time in Starkville as the head man. I want to welcome on right now, guys. Heard every blade of grass in Mississippi can hear him every afternoon from Sports Talk Mississippi. It is Brian Haydad. How you doing, friend? Man, it's good to be back with you. How you been? No, nothing but good. Nothing but good. Uh, let's talk signing day wrap up. Am I right? They had a, a couple of kids yesterday officially. Um, how did it wrap up? What's your flyover? Yeah, they had two kids come on, but one had been committed since uh, back in December. San yeah. Francisco McGee, the receiver, he was just his high school was doing their big signing day ceremony with everybody on this day. So he decided to wait to make it officially official yesterday. But they had been counting him in the boat for for a while. The only real new addition was the linebacker Josiah Knight out of Tallahassee. Kind of an odd situation there where he was he signed with Illinois in the early signing period, but for some reason that didn't click and didn't work out so they released them from there i said nli the other day and i was like man we used to say nli all the time and now we say nil all the time they released him from his nli and he was back in the pool and visited state last weekend and uh committed on signing day so he's only the really real new addition but state ended up with a class that's going to be on the border of the top 25 which is about where they've recruited for the past decade plus and when you consider what that class was when Levy took over, I think he did an outstanding job. And I mean, I would call it a year zero class, right? I would call it a uh, – he didn't really have all his feet on the ground, didn't have his full staff in, but I thought he did an outstanding job bringing in the guys he did. You know, you see a kid listed as an athlete, and can mean, we were just talking to A&M, and Terry Bussey's a five-star, and they say, I think he's a corner, but he's an athlete. We don't know yet. Let's see where he plays. Uh, Braylon Burnside, I think, is going to be a receiver. That's done, right? And that means that Levy brought in four or three four-star receivers uh, in his first class. That's not nothing. Yeah, three four-star receivers. Burnside is is likely to be a receiver. I think Levy is going to be a coach who puts those athletes on the offensive side of the ball. Mm -hmm. Burnside could be a safety at the next level. I'll tell you, just from having seen him here in Starkville, he he could easily play defense at the next level. But J.J. Harrell, Braylon Burnside, and Mario Craver, three four-star guys. And McGee, the guy that they brought in yesterday, was the leading receiver in the state this year. I think he had close to 1,700 yards receiving uh, here in high school. Just an outstanding player. Uh, they were able to flip from Ole Miss. So, yeah, I mean, offense, offensively, Levy in his first class did really, really well. 
Uh, brought in a four-star quarterback, Michael Van Buren, who was committed to Oregon. Uh, as soon as Levy got the job here, that kid decommitted, visited state, committed that weekend. He, he must have really wanted to play for Jeff Levy. Uh, and then in the transfer portal, they did a really good job of remaking this offensive line. Uh, four different guys coming in. I think all four of them have an opportunity to start uh, for Mississippi State next year. Certainly, McKaylin Pounders will at left tackle. Uh, he was one of the, the more sought-after prospects in there. How long with Ethan Miner, the center from North Texas, was a guy that a lot of SEC schools were after. So offensively, this is a really good class for State. Defensively, there's some question marks, and I think that's part of that is because they hired a relative unknown as the defensive coordinator in Coleman Hutzler. Yep. Uh, just, just not a lot of, of juice there, but I think that he's a guy who likes to recruit, and you're starting to see that in the 25 guys they're talking to. But in this class, it, it just didn't pan out for him trying to get transfer guys in. Brian Adad, Super Talk Mississippi. You know him and that whole crew out yonder in Mississippi. Uh, is it 17, 18, 19? Just a bunch of affiliates. Wherever you are in the state, you can hear him every single day, and I appreciate his time. You mentioned uh, the D.C. Y'all powwowed. Was that yesterday, a couple days back? Yeah, talked to him yesterday for the first time. That's the first interview he's done. And I, it was funny, when he got hired, you know, my first response, and I, I laugh about this, but my first response was, I had no idea, never heard of him. And I reached out to a buddy of mine who covered Alabama, and he was like, yeah, I know who he is, but we've never talked to him because, you know, Saban was infamous for never letting his assistants talk. So I finally got him on the phone yesterday, and, I mean, you know, you can tell he coached under Saban, right? Some of the mannerisms and then the way he talks, you're just like, okay, I've heard this before from a a different coach, and it sounded like him. So, But he's a younger guy, but he's been around the SEC. He's been been in different schools, been at Texas, been been at South Carolina, been at Ole Miss. Been at Florida and Alabama. So, I mean, he's got some experience, but he's never been the, the top guy there. You've never been the guy calling the formation. So, he, he's a bit of an unknown. And in, in the, when you look at what State didn't do in the portal, they didn't bring in a lot of, of guys you just say from day one, they're probably going to be a starter. Best opportunity there is probably Stone Blanton, the linebacker from uh, South Carolina, who's originally from Mississippi. Yep. yep. Beyond that, you know, they're going to have to go with what they have. And they have a lot of young talent, but it is unproven. That's a little scary, I think, if you're an SEC fan to think that your defense doesn't have a lot of guys who have done it in the SEC. That's where State is going into the spring. Wrapping up, good friend Brian Haydad. Um, I've kind of joked. I was a student at Auburn, and on Tuesdays, because um, I work for the student, you know, the the radio station, you got to go to the yeah. press conference, and then you got to eat in the players' you know lounge. So that was kind of awesome. On Tuesdays, I, I eat good. But it was mm-hmm. steak, it was chicken and dumplings, and it, you just you yeah. know, loaded it on. And the strength coach at in, like, the mid-'80s would just, like, lean over you on the bench and just yell, one more, like that was the extent of it. Um, <laughs> like, the, all of that's different now. And I saw a headline, I, and I saw, like, a big, big deal being made of this. Um, Jeff Lebby announced the hiring of a new director of football sports science. Uh, Mason Walters is his name. We can call stuff a lot of things, football, sports, science. Do tell because there are folks making a big deal about this over there. I'm very anxious to talk to Jeff Levy in the coming week. He's supposed to join me on my podcast uh, soon. And I want to talk to him about that hire and the hire, I believe his name is Jaworski Beckham from Oregon, who's kind of a director of speed. And I don't know how you coach speed. Speed's always been a thing I thought you either had it or you don't. State is – really putting some money into the football program they haven't had in years past and trying to uh, increase the support staff and try to increase the amount of guys that are in contact with their players beyond just the coaches. You know, they haven't made that investment in years past. 
Uh, with, with Zach Selman, though, he, I think he understands that football is what drives literally everything in your athletic department and your university in a lot of ways. So this guy, Mason Walters, his, his resume is interesting. I mean, he, he worked with the military. He's worked with, with I think, with the SEAL teams and stuff, and he understands, you know, the body and, and how to, you know, I guess extract the most from it. I, but it's it's kind of vague, right? Football, sports, science. I don't, I don't know what that is. So I'm interested to talk to Levy to find out more because that's a – that's a very interesting title, as you said. Yeah, I graduated high school in 86. I've referenced this before. I, if you ever watch Beavis and Butthead, like the weight uh-huh. training coach at my high school was the coach from Beavis and Butthead. <laughs> like, that literally – and that was every weight coach everywhere. Yeah. yeah, you're not wrong. There was one – just yell at the guy. Maybe he'll get stronger. So, uh, <laughs> Brian, appreciate it's you coming on, friend. Right. Thanks, Chuck. Have a good one, man. Brian, hey, Dad. That literally was it. It was every weight coach everywhere. There was no technique. It was like if you're back on the bench, he would get as close to your nose as possible and just scream, one more. It's like, I, uh, so it's, it's different. And so this is director of football sports science who i was thinking is this the nutrition person no because he says that the the release uh and levy references this as a matter of fact says no this is not anything i was like this has to be just a new name for something no it's an additional position he will work with the strength and conditioning coaches he will work with sports medicine he will work with our sports nutrition staff so this is a completely different thing Football, sports, science. I don't know. Like, is this that? Who was it back in the day? Was it Marshall Falk that was on the commercial with all the sensors on his body and they needed him to fumble so that the computer game could have an example? He's like, no, I don't fumble. Um, Like, that's kind of what all this stuff is now. You're wearing your monitors all throughout practice for sure, all throughout your workout. And he's in charge of this. Uh, Part of this, do you know what this is? The increased money that... Their nonprofit, okay, means if you bring the money in, you have to spend the money. You can't, you, you can't just keep it and then divide it up among all the officers. You're nonprofit. So whatever comes in, you have to spend it. There are programs who for decades were broke. And now since all the attention and you're paying the players anyway, spending like, million on a nutrition science program, like a brand new thing with a brand new dining hall and everything. Like, go look at, and who is I'm talking, everybody from Georgia Tech, which I was like, this is nice. And Georgia Tech's like, we don't have any money. If I'm remembering, like, if you go look at Wisconsin's nutrition science approach, holy smokes. Imagine if now you had to go out and play football for them or basketball or whatever else. Y'all ever been to Vegas? All right, I'm going to tell you something. Two things in Vegas. If they catch your eye, you really need to be impressed. In a town full of prime rib specials, you get a really good prime rib in Vegas. Okay, you need to say thank you to somebody. You find like a distinctively good buffet in a town where you can sling a dead cat and hit 15 uh, buffets. Folks, go to the Bellagio buffet. I don't eat buffets. I don't necessarily like buffets. I just want a smaller amount of food, and I want the one thing that I want, and I'm going to be happy with it. I go to the Bellagio Buffet every time I'm in Las Vegas. That's the Wisconsin Nutrition Science Place. There's our sushi station. 
There's our chocolate tower. There's the guy with the tall hat and like the big piece of ham on the board. <laughs> really? I'm just a swimmer here. I know. Like it it's like you got the Bellagio buffet. It's not that extravagant, but you it's it's nice. And here was the, do y'all remember the big deal? Was this like 10 years ago? All right, we'll feed you on the weekends. Used to be like dinner on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday kind of looked the same. Dinner for athletes on a Friday? Looked like they were shoplifting at Kroger. It was the last food they were going to get from the university for two and a half days. And they're like, no, I'm taking. And so you had to kind of fend for yourself. That's not what it is anymore, man. Yes, we're feeding you on the weekends. That was like a major concession. And now it's so far past that. So Mississippi uh, State is on that as well. All right, uh, it's a Thursday. It's hour two. We break. We move forward. College football talk with the king of college football. It's the Chuck Oliver Show on Southern Sports Today. It's, uh, folks, I take it back. I was remembering correctly. I had something else to talk about. It's the offseason. We'll get to it. Chuck Oliver Show on a Thursday. I Googled my computer. During the break, I was like, why in the world did this jump into my brain? Why would I remember this? April 26, 2015, USA Today. NCAA schools put money where athletes' mouths are. Uh, There were a lot of schools referenced here. A lot of them referenced for the wrong reason. South Carolina was one. Utah, et cetera. They were spending less on athletes' meals than Boise State. Um, But this is – credit Barry Alvarez – because this is almost an expose of how to do it, and I mean right. Um, This was, again, nine years ago now, but you go look at, and and it's been updated since then because there were additional articles. Uh, It is the Bellagio Buffet. There are pictures in this article of guy with the tall white hat and the giant knife. Would you like prime rib sliced off of this giant piece of prime rib or ham sliced off of this giant piece of ham there are refueling stations all around campus you know what a refueling station is if you have your i'm a scholarship athlete magic red card with just a giant white w on it it's the secret card if you have that you gain access to the refueling station which are like these giant refrigerated cabinets with all kinds of fresh meats and cheeses and fruits and beverages. I've got the card. And part of the point they're making is this is now sort of standard. This is where we're going in Wisconsin. What's the phrase? They leaned into it. Um, and it all cost. And that was one of the big revelations is, wait a minute, where's all this? I remember reading something about there was a pitcher for the Minnesota Twins back in the mid-'70s, a guy named Bill Campbell, and then free agency came. And in one year, he went from making thirty-seven five to making 300000 for the Boston Red Sox. 
And he said, at some point it hit me, wait a minute, the money was always there, wasn't it? The money was always there. Why was it? It's not, wow, I'm making 300 grand now. It's why was I ever making 37.5, you cheap, fill in the, you know, et cetera. It's like the money was always that, folks, the money was always there. Look at what your school is spending on nutrition science. And there was, there's a huge reference in here, a little section about it, um, about feeding you three, three hots in a cot. That's what you get if you're on scholarship. Three, not two, plus the refueling stations, plus three on Saturday, three on Sunday, and the money involved. And the takeaway is your program may be spending upwards of four or $5 million a year on an expense that at least ten, nine years ago existed. Ten years ago, it's an expense that really didn't exist not like this. Do you know what the training table was? Do you know what the Heath? Did you ever eat in the athletes' place at uh, I don't know Florida, South Carolina, wherever? Never did. Okay, D- why? Well, I'm not an athlete. Oh, was it not offered to the media on any? Huh? Press conference days at various places you travel oh, they, around to. They had uh, Florida had some some catered stuff, but it wasn't the training table. It was just here's your, uh, oh, your chicken snap, and rice or whatever. Man, yeah. On press conference day, after the press conference and after the players, or you go through the line. Um, and it was really, really, really good food, but it was all really heavy southern food, and it was silver pans over sterno. Um, that's not what this stuff is anymore, folks. You're talking millions of dollars. So you always were feeding athletes. Now you're feeding them a lot more, and boy, you're feeding them a lot differently. Uh, and so four or five million dollars, it's hard to extrapolate out exactly how much it is additional because you're always feeding them something but millions of additional dollars and you look around and go wait a minute the money was always there so it's just it's one of the avenues where you can try to differentiate yourself because everybody thinks of the locker room with the video board and the safe and i've got the plush chair and everybody thinks about the new weight room nick saban what was it they had a waterfall in the third weight room all right, they took it. But everybody, every coach, every program thinks of those things, nutrition, science, and how we feed you in your existence 24 hours a day, seven days a week for as long as you're here. That can make an impact. What up, Heath? So one story that I, I think is not the kind of story that necessarily is going to cause people's alarm bells to go off, but I think it's important. Uh, Miami is losing Alonzo Highsmith to the NFL. He has had the official title of general manager with the Hurricanes for the last couple of years. He's leaving to join the Patriots front office. He had been for a bunch of years there with the Packers and then came back to his alma mater for a couple of years with Mario Cristobal. Uh, Highsmith was basically the guy who was in charge of personnel evaluation. So uh, a guy like a Cam Ward, for example, deciding, all right, this is the quarterback we're going to target in uh, free agency, college free agency. We're going to go after this guy and try and get him to stay and in college, not go pro after all, and eventually persuade him. He was never himself out on the recruiting trail, but he apparently was the guy who was in charge of evaluating what Miami was doing, both on the recruiting trail and especially in the transfer portal, which the Canes have done a lot of. The other thing that just made me think about this too, Chuck, do you remember what pick in the draft Alonzo Highsmith was? Remember, he's the first-round pick of the Oilers when they had a like they already had like Rozier and Pinkett and a bunch of other offensive weapons. He was like a top ten pick or something. He was the third pick in the draft. Was he a guy whose official title was kind of half tailback, half fullback? Fullback, yeah. He, he was, was. He was the. 
he officially was listed as running back, but he was considered as much a fullback as a running back. And, and he was and taken bouncer. the third pick of the oh. draft. That's just crazy to me. Yeah, absolutely. It was a different day. In fact, you know, actually, remember the other day I was mentioning uh, Low White and the Seven Dwarfs from Michigan State? Lorenzo White was also a first-round pick of that same era for the Oilers. I'm telling you, you look at Haywood Jeffries, who was a Drew Hill, Warren Moon came down from Canada, a stupid amount of running backs just piled up, uh, and it really turned the franchise around. Yeah, just, just again, that has nothing to do with now, but no. you're talking about a guy who's an all-time player at the school. Obviously. But he was an OG, you're, obviously. You're right, went to uh, Columbus High School down there uh, in Miami as well. His father actually had been in Canada, and Miami kind of recruited him to come down from there. I only know that because I had a fraternity brother who played with him at Columbus High School. So Yeah, it's just wild to me, yeah. though. The draft, Vinny Testaverde, Cornelius Bennett, Alonzo Highsmith, and then Brent Fullwood goes in the number four spot right behind him. But, uh, again, Highsmith, this is a guy who's played an important role. Now the question becomes uh, how will Cristobal try to fill that because they just don't have guys with this kind of background and an interest in coming to Miami lying around. Yeah, you almost need to have that sort of, like, built-in heart. This is not we're going to put out the call. Like, that's the way they got D-Rad. You know, you have to have that sort of personal connection there. Brent Fullwood, can I blow your mind? Sure. I bet his one season as the guy at Auburn, he averaged almost nine yards a carry. Oh, he's a heck of a player. I remember how he was unbelievable. He, was. he never yeah. never really hit it big in the NFL, but he's oh a heck no, of a never player. at all in the NFL. But um, yeah, he had the one season at Auburn really tore it up. So we'll see what Miami does to replace this. But again, this is, it on paper. This just feels like it feels like a significant loss and it also feels like the kind of loss you can get somebody else to take the GM role but not somebody who has the credibility in South Florida which is so huge for that program credibility with Canes fans at a time where Cristobal himself has had some people really raise some questions about the on-field coaching and you know hey it's great this guy's a recruiter an intense guy and everything but but does he have the game management skills after things like the Georgia Tech loss there's some people saying yeah I don't think he does uh, this was somebody who could really be a helpful shield for him. So, again, I, I get it. People aren't going to freak out about it uh, if you're not a Kane fan. But if you're a Kane fan, I think it's a pretty big deal. What if Manny's team at Duke becomes obviously more buttoned up and game prepped and productive than Mario's at the U? Like, it'll be front and center now because Manny is back in the conference. Southern Sports Today and the Chuck Oliver Show. In today's fast-paced world, your business deserves banking solutions that are as dynamic and cost-effective as you are. Solutions like free business checking from LGE Community Credit Union, free online and mobile banking, no minimum balance required, plus no maintenance fees and dividends on your balance. At LGE, we're a smarter way to bank. See what's possible for your business at lgeccu.org. No monthly maintenance fees. Other service fees such as NSF, overdraft, wire, and stop payment fees still apply. Not all businesses will qualify. Membership eligibility and base savings account that keeps $5 minimum balance required. Hey, sandwich lovers. Today is your lucky day. There's a whole new way to roll for lunch or dinner delight with Nucky's Hoagies in the Roswell Corners Shopping Center. Now open. Nucky's Hoagies in Roswell is family owned and operated by the subsisters, Stacy and Shannon, whose love language is food and Nucky's Hoagies, their passion. When you bite into a Nucky's Hoagie, you'll taste the difference. The softest hoagie rolls ever, along with hunger-quenching sandwich combinations. Make Nucky's Hoagies in Roswell on Woodstock Road your new favorite spot for lunch or dinner. Paul Hewitt, former Georgia Tech head coach, among other places. 
he had a kind of, I, I think it's, I still don't say funny quote, but it was a good insight. He's like, you know, when it comes to recruiting, he says, as a coach, once you get a reputation of you're up with a sunrise, you can sleep till noon. <laughs> he's like, what? You just got to get the reputation. Oh, he's out there outworking everybody. Um, and I bring that up because sometimes we see that, uh, like a position coach or a coordinator got whacked. And we think we know the guy. Oh, he's a great recruiter. Oh, how why did he get fired? Corey Raymond got fired. I don't know. Corey Raymond's a name that we all know. So he's a great recruiter because we know his name. And he's a great coach because we know his name. And Billy Napier's like, yeah, well, somebody has to get fired when we play that bad. And you're one of them. That's the best I could come up with. But we don't really know because we're not out there. I know somebody who's out there, and he knows. We're going to talk all things Gator from the Orlando Sentinel. It's Edgar Thompson. Edgar, welcome back, friend. How are you? Hey, Chuck. Doing fine. Beautiful day down here in Gainesville. Uh, Why did Corey Raymond get whacked? Because somebody had to get fired? (laughs) Well, you're asking. You're like, I'm out there and on the inside. I don't know about all that, but what you hear and – pretty accurately i'm suspecting because i've heard it many times now is not everyone was on the same page over there with the defensive staff and you had a 30-year coordinator year old coordinator austin armstrong and 250 something veteran coaches and Corey raymond and sean spencer sean had the title of co-dc for also and i don't know that they agreed on the way they were running things completely and you know that that happens and you got a two guys with 20-some years on the guy calling the shots. That might have been part of it. Uh, now the staff's gotten a whole lot younger, bringing in Will Harris to coach DBs and Gerald Chapman to coach D-line. Both of them are 36. And maybe that's some of it, not seeing eye to eye. And then you look at a five-game skid then the season where you gave up 38-plus. That might be more of it. <laughs> Also, Ron Robinson coming over. And the linebacker coach, that was not an expected thing, I don't think. But you had to replace him, so Ron Roberts comes over. So what did Coach Napier talk about? I'm sure, you know, yesterday everybody, all the coaches meet with the media on signing day. Um, Has he given a flyover, a bird's eye of the defensive changes overall? Yeah, it was it was uh, among many things and there's been a lot of off-season changes and mostly are more than anywhere the defensive staff and you got three new coaches trying to you know turn that that side of the football around it's been lagging for several years now if you go back to even 2020 you know that hasn't been good for several years um so you know ron roberts is 56 year old guy going to bring more of a veteran uh, view a mentorship role even maybe to some degree for austin armstrong they have a history and a mutual respect and uh you, you know something's got to change over on that side of the football but you know billy didn't get into details i mean austin will continue to call plays for example but you know who can, i mean that's not that's getting into the granular uh, in terms of, he did say that Chapman and Harris have proven to be what he thought they would be, and he emphasized their teaching. So, you know, you got to connect with these guys, and they got to buy into what you're selling. Are there, tell me the changes on the offense. They did not change any uh, staff members. So, 
All five, Billy Gonzalez, receivers, okay. Russ Calloway, right. tight end, both yeah. offensive line coaches, running back. But the thing that could change, and this is what people have been hankering for change, is the play calling could. Billy didn't fully go there, but he did say that Russ Calloway would be acquiring more responsibility was the quote, yeah. which I think is kind of hinting that there will be some changes to how plays are called and determined during the course of games, which which does need to change. Because Billy Napier needs to be able to you talk about 30,000 foot view. He needs to be able to have that during game days somewhat too. There's been, you know, issues operationally, timeout, wasted timeouts, whether it's getting guys on the field, these kinds of things where you're like, why is this happening? Well, partly some conclude it could be because your head coach is so focused on calling plays. Might have helped him win the Tennessee game as well, as I'm remembering. (laughs) Substituting on defense. Um, All right. I don't know. Mark Robinson, I don't know what his official title is, what he's going to do. If anybody's listening, Mark Robinson's a hire from A&M. Um, and the reason I bring it up, Edgar, there's I've heard general manager, I've heard chief of staff. Uh, is it one of the new roles or is it more of a traditional role? But I've also heard that it's basically his job is to make Billy Napier's day-to-day life easier. Well, again, more something taking off Billy's plate. Billy loves roster building. And he's talked about that's like his favorite part is putting together the puzzle because it's like a math problem. This math problem's gone from let's say calculus to differential equations, right? It has gotten so much more complicated with the transfer portal with NIL and, 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 you know, all these moving parts are hard to manage. Billy Napier walked in six months prior, NIL began. And Ford, I don't think, was quite, you know, ready and prepared for how this was all going to unfold. Not, they're not the only one, trust me. However, Billy, I think, is recognizing that he needs someone to help put all these pieces together. Mark Robinson was involved with the collective, with the Aggie Collective. He'll be involved with NIL here. He'll also be involved with just putting the roster together. What that means, GM, chief of staff, whatever, I don't know his exact title. You can go look on the website. But that's what it is. He's going to be managing the roster and managing talent acquisition. Last thing as far as like immediate on field, and I've asked a lot of people this, uh, DJ Lagway, I've heard, you know, generational talent, you know, keystone to the future, all of this, and it may all be true, and the starters back. Like Graham Mertz may have worked. He worked better than the running backs last year, and he's back. So what will Lagway's role be in 2024, according to Edgar Thompson? Well, I mean, it's to be determined, but you you need to have the young man involved. I mean, he brings a different skill set, dual threat. Graham's not. You need to – the kid is coming here to to be your quarterback of the future. You can't just, you know, put him on the bench and let him just watch and learn from Graham Mertz. Now, he'll be mentored. He'll learn how to watch film, how to prepare. Graham Mertz is excellent at that, high football IQ, very good leader, says all the right things. He's going to learn a lot there. And seeing the game, I'm sure, better, he's going to learn because it's going to be moving a lot more quickly than it did in Texas. High school football, once he gets into these these games. But you need to play him. I go back to 2021 
Emory Jones, every third possession, Anthony Richardson came in the first two games and was setting the world on fire. And then he pulls a hamstring at USF and was kind of on the shelf a bit and really didn't come back fully for another month when he stepped in at LSU and went nuts in the second half and brought the Gators back. You're I think G.J. needs to have some sort of a role like that where he's playing and managing some possessions. And that's what I would do. And it seems like smart thinking for the future and also the present even, that you give a change of pace, you know, for defenses to account for. All right. I saw, I guess it was January 7th, D.J. Lagway. He is enrolled. He is in Gainesville, so he'll be there for spring. Graham Mertz, will he be there for spring, or do they just throw Lagway and say, go swim, kid? No, no, he broke his collarbone November 18th at Missouri on, on a, you know, yeah, where yeah. he ran over a couple of guys and then got nailed. And one reason that Graham Mertz probably shouldn't be running a lot, because, <laughs> you know, that, that one, one of his best runs, or the best run he had all season, ended in a broken collarbone. But he will be um, available, Billy said yesterday. And, uh, you know, we'll see if he's contact or not. I don't even think any of that matters. But their other injuries, Shamar James dislocated kneecap. Uh, he's their leading tackler, their best the best player, yes, best defensive player probably. Well, he's T- TBD. Justice Boone, who blew out his knee right at the start of camp, which I think was a big loss to the strong side end. And they were kind of left scrambling there, did not have That's much right. depth. And then uh, the other one is Cam Carroll, the two-lane running back. He's now missed two seasons with injuries, including the 12-win two-lane year in 2022. And But he's pretty effective, a very good pass catcher. If he can stay healthy and he can be in the mix and give, again, another kind of change of pace guy. Yeah, he was going to be the three last year, which means he was going to get some snaps, no doubt. Uh, Egger, great, man. I appreciate your time, friend. Of course. Thanks for having me. Egger Thompson, Orlando Sentinel. So, yeah, Lagway's there. And spring, you it, you think you have 15 sessions. One of them's the game or whatever your scrimmage. They had a Thursday night thing last year, and they didn't have enough offensive linemen, I'm trying to remember. So it was kind of just a thing. But it, it was a game, but nobody scored or got any yards, or like almost no movement at all on the offense. But they had a high school senior, like an early enrollee at center, as I'm recalling. Uh, so spring can be a weird deal. And see, that's my question. You know the one thing that always undoes spring? We've talked every year we get announcements and we bring it up again. It's the one thing. Here's the truth. Most coaches, a first-year guy may be different. or A spring game, they would rather just have another regular practice and get some work in. The number one reason slash excuse that they say, look, we just can't play a game this year. You don't have enough offensive linemen. You can play a game without enough anything else. Without offensive linemen, if you don't have enough defensive linemen, then you just have a bunch of long runs. You don't have enough offensive linemen, quarterbacks get hurt. And the one thing that cannot happen is quarterback and I get hurt. So the idea that we're going to have these 15 sessions and DJ Lagway can take all the reps, I, you don't want that. I don't want that. I want him to get reps. What if it's last year where you have a high school senior playing center against, I don't know, like a 21-year-old in the spring game? I don't want it. He's going to get plenty of exposure to, like, in a good way. Like, okay, it's not Friday anymore. Somebody most recently, I've heard something about DJ. Like, I've heard something about DJ Lagway. Like, we really need to see him against elite competition. 
I'm trying to remember the most recent time I heard that, um, that it's going to be an eye-opener for him. So, Lagway's there, and he's going to have an opportunity, but you can turtle up a kid as a freshman, I promise you, especially when you learn bad habits like backyard bow at Auburn. Some of that was natural ability, natural instinct. Some of that was self-preservation. You know, that's called bad habits. I'm 18, and then I'm 19. I'm learning bad habits. He went to Oregon. He unlearned a lot of them. And now he's going to be first-round bow, I think. I'm pretty sure. I think he's going to be like top 14 or 15 bow. But he's going to be first round. That is not what it always looked like earlier in his career. So, uh, DJ Lagway, he'll have an opportunity. There will be snaps available, but it'll be behind that offensive line. That'll be part of the challenge. All right, it's a Thursday on Chuck Oliver Show. What a fun time we've had today. Appreciate everybody coming here. A little bit of a break. Come back. Wrap up next. the king of college football no matter where you go with a new southern sports today app catch the best college football conversation in the south everywhere with the sst live stream and daily podcast downloaded now at the app store and the google play store now more of the best college football talk in the country it's the chuck oliver show i mean i could give you 10 different scenarios and and, and 10 different people could agree or disagree with them but something is going to have to change um, with the calendar um, or this is just uh, this is a runaway train that's that's gonna end in, in a bad place. Brian Kelly, where it ends for him? I was mentioning he's the LSU head coach, and he's heartfelt and all. I'm not trying to be snappy here, but. Uh, I think his contract, I was talking earlier today, the top 15 highest paid coaches. I was looking at that list this morning. He said he had seen it as well. Uh, And so we were talking a little bit about that and the fact that there's a chance that your athletic department is just a giant successful business. We keep track because it's not the hamburger or the luggage industry. We keep track of wins and losses because that's what we understand. There's a chance that like the power brokers, even in Baton Rouge, kind of behind the scenes go, hmm, we're making a bunch of money. Uh, so he's saying something has to change. Well, I think he's making $9.9 million per year. And the calendar, wow, he's so right about that. Hey, feel free to comment on this if you have an opinion. Like I've always – there are certain transactions in life where you know – you're going to lose on the percentage. Like when you're at the airport and you have to turn your money into some other kind of money, they don't give you all like the same amount. You lose trading a car as soon as you drive off the lot. You you know, you, you lose. The Chicago Bears drove Justin Fields off the lot and lost two rounds of value. Like, So there's these things in life where you make this transaction and you lose a lot of value. Heath, am I right? Like, I grew up with, let's say, people of varying degrees of education. Uh, And I have a friend who gave a go at college, but he wound up giving a go at, like, five colleges. Every time he transferred, like, fewer and fewer credits transferred until he had been in school, like, four years and had, like, a year and a half of credits Do these athletes realize every time they transfer, they leave some of their academics behind and most of them won't be pro athletes? Yeah, I I don't know if they fully grasp that. But again, it gets back to the conundrum we've had with college athletics forever, which is 
are these guys getting the major in something that they value? You know, we've all heard stories of guys who said, oh, you know, I want to be an engineering major. I want to be a pre-med major. Well, we need you to be eligible. Unfortunately, we need you to be in practice in the afternoon. And to be pre-med, you need to be uh, you need to be doing some stuff in the afternoon. So how's how sociology sound as a major for you? Sociology sounds like a good major or. And maybe maybe undergraduate general studies. Early like childhood education. Yeah, I mean, it, it, recreation, very general popular studies. major in Florida. A lot of versions of recreation. And not to say that those guys weren't getting a legit education, but there's no doubt every program kind of has their their paths that historically certain yep. guys seem to get steered into. So if you didn't have that value of it in the first place, then maybe you don't particularly care for any reason other than that's, staying eligible. And that's one thing I've said, that you don't realize how many guys and ladies over decades, nay, a century. Heath, how many people, I'll say for life, stumbled into being a college graduate? And now your family tree can change based on that. And when I say stumbled into it, because I was good at a sport, I got to go to, not me, uh, school for free. If I wasn't good, I would have done something else after high school that didn't result in me having a college degree. Like, there are people whose whole life changes because, well, I could play basketball good enough to stay at LSU for four years. Yeah, it's also where it is a shame that the rule has basically been obliterated that said you could transfer once and then you had to sit or you could graduate and transfer because that really did give guys that incentive to say, okay, Maybe yep. if I really grind in summer school or whatever, I can graduate in three years and have a chance to go somewhere and play Ready for, for fall. And Now that that's basically been blown away, there's really not that incentive anymore. Uh, Chuck, the folks at Clemson have released their schedule for what the individual games are. And look, I understand it's 2024. A lot of things are different. Like we were just talking about, things are different. This is never going to not feel weird. I don't care how many years they do it. September 28th, Chuck. Homecoming. First of all, homecoming in September is weird enough. September 28th, homecoming against Stanford. Stanford and Clemson. Homecoming. This just doesn't. I, I'm sorry. This just doesn't I'm make seeing any the sense. 1987 Gator Bowl. I think that was a Stanford Clemson thing. Like, literally, that's the kind of matchup you would have a December 27th or 28th bowl game of two teams that never play, except now it's homecoming and they're on the schedule kind of every year. And if anybody actually covered Stanford, they'd be asking them, do you feel disrespected that as you come into the conference, immediately you're being scheduled for homecoming? When, of course, the answer is no, not really, because uh, we're going to be homecoming for a lot of people, probably. I, I dare say there are Stanford people. It's a, it's a smart fan base. They're not quite sure where Clemson is. Clemson people aren't quite sure where Stanford is. I promise you. I'd say that's a very good possibility. I do know this much. The first time Stanford plays Clemson in their place, there's going to be a whole lot more Clemson people than there are Stanford Absolutely. People. It's a destination, Even man. Even when Stanford was good, they were one of those schools that doesn't start around Labor Day. They start like two or three weeks late into the season. And, I mean, you couldn't find 5,000 people in that stadium for an opening week game. It's the reason they kept playing games like Northwestern or whatever on the road. If you care, you don't. If you care... December 27th, 1986, Clemson 27, Stanford 21. 80,000 showed up in Jacksonville that day. Go ahead, Heath. That is uh, remarkable, frankly. If, again, if Stanford had 500 fans there, that's uh, that's quite an accomplishment. Also in the category of things that I don't know that people would have imagined they would see, Chuck, but it is a reminder, as intense as fans are, as much as fans care about this stuff, it's not to say the coaches don't, but in the end, the old Seinfeld line about you're rooting for laundry, even when it comes to college, it can be true. Baylor is expected to hire Gary Patterson as a senior consultant. 
So Gary Patterson has gone from fired at TCU, leaving under unhappy terms, to immediately joining the Texas staff in an off-field role because he he wanted to be He active. thought he was going to get something. Yeah. That was the program that he, more than anything else at TCU, defined his program by was we're going to stick it to Texas. So he already signed up with Texas. Then, now, what program is most similar to TCU that has probably the most genuine animosity of schools in the conference. Obviously, SMU-TCU is its own rivalry game. But in the conference, the two schools that basically canceled each other out in 2014 to go to the playoff and open the door for Ohio State, Baylor. Gary Patterson, senior consultant at Baylor. And, uh, look, I don't know if he's ever going to get another head coaching job, Chuck. I'm a little surprised he hasn't got a D.C. job. If he's willing to take this, I assume he'd take a D.C. job somewhere. Uh, it didn't end well at TCU. No. It's a shame because no. Patterson is a good football coach still, but uh, this this is going to be one that I think for TCU fans are like, we sure we want to keep this new here? Like maybe, you know, give it 10 years when you put it back up. We sure we want to do this? I may have to edit this out of post-production, but Heath, I'll pay you $100 million if you can tell me the MVP of the 1986 Gator Bowl was Stamper and Clemson. Uh, you're safe, Chuck. Brad Colonel Mustard. Of Stanford, first round pick as a uh, first or as a uh, fullback. That's Shared. a theme. Him and Alonzo Heisman. Go figure. Shared it with Rodney Williams out of Clemson. And now, all these years later, a chance to avenge the loss. Wraps it up on Thursday. Back tomorrow. More of this. In today's fast-paced world, your business deserves banking solutions that are as dynamic and cost-effective as you are. Solutions like free business checking from LGE Community Credit Union, free online and mobile banking, no minimum balance required, plus no maintenance fees and dividends on your balance. At LGE, we're a smarter way to bank. See what's possible for your business at lgeccu.org. No monthly maintenance fees. Other service fees such as NSF, overdraft, wire, and stop payment fees still apply. Not all businesses will qualify. Membership eligibility and base savings account that keeps it $5 minimum balance required. Hi, I'm Mark Beckham with Atlanta Ramjack. We specialize in only foundation repair. What is foundation repair? Foundations sink or settle. These issues need to be addressed. It only becomes more costly the longer you put it off. What is the biggest cause of foundation problem? Either poor construction, inferior site preparation, or weather. Drought causes cracks in your foundations. If you see any signs of foundation issues, please contact us at atlantaramjack.com.